Today's conversation is with Dr. Jeremy Rochelle. Jeremy applies learning science theories and methods to understand how, when, and why technology can enable improved teaching and learning. He is nationally and internationally recognized for groundbreaking research in computer-supported collaborative learning, learning with connected mobile devices, and technology and mathematics learning. He has conducted rigorous efficiency research on personalized adaptive learning and online homework tools. Also dynamic visualizations for mathematics learning. His 25 years of research experience has led to over 125 publications and nine patents, resulting in 15,000 citations to his contributions. Jeremy has a longstanding role as associate editor for the Journal of Learning Sciences and leads a large community of National Science Foundation funded projects in the area of cyber learning. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Today. I'm Kevin Hogan. I'm glad you found us. With me today, Jeremy Rochelle. Jeremy, how are you? Doing great, Kevin. I really appreciate you taking the time here, but you have some, some pretty big news that I think we can just kind of uh, jump into the weeds with. So why don't you give us the... Uh, the lowdown on the announcement that Digital Promise uh, released last week. Yeah, Digital Promise, Kevin, is, is really excited to announce that with four university partners, we're going to be leading a new AI Institute for Engaged Learning. And this is a five-year initiative. It's funded at a $20 million level from the National Science Foundation. And that really gives us some freedom to go deep and to really explore new directions that you, know, you just can't do in day-to-day -day business. Yeah. Now, I know you have a long history involving the use of artificial intelligence in the future of learning. Talk a little bit about the evolution of it. Uh, you know, AI is something that I've always heard about in a kind of a theoretical sense when it comes to education technology. Sometimes there's a little bit of fear involved uh, when you hear artificial intelligence, especially BP before the pandemic. I would talk to teachers and talk to educators who, that there was a kind of a sentiment that maybe technology would replace the teacher. Now, I think mm -hmm. that, that myth has been pretty much busted uh, over the past 18 months in terms of, we all realize the importance of teachers, A, and B, that these technologies can just enhance the way they, they do their job. But talk a little bit about it from, from your perspective. Yeah, Kevin, that, that, that's a great, actually, pair of questions there. But, you know, fortunately, they connect because you're asking me about history and you're asking me about the role and they're intertwined in the history. So let me let me just talk about both. Artificial intelligence was first proposed for education like 1969, 1970. And there have been successes. Maybe the best known is Carnegie Learning, which has had a successful product out there for quite a long time. Essay grading has been out there for quite a long time. So it, it's not entirely new, but I think we're really upon a phase shift in what's possible. And that's why we need this institute and why we're excited to have it today. When I look at where AI started early in my career, the kinds of problems AI could help a student with were very short, about two minutes long, and they were very logical, like chess or mathematics. Um, and so that limited what you could do. And you heard a lot in products over the past 20 years about we're going to put things, a playlist in the right order for kids. You know, but there's a little of rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic there. Those kids aren't excited about those problems. They're not learning much from them. Putting them in a different order, so-so. Yeah, 
So the, the, the other part that has been there all along throughout that history, going back to 1969, Douglas Engelbart, you heard of Douglas Engelbart, right? Yeah, and that is the intelligence mouse, augmentation, right? Yeah. Douglas Engelbart is all about collaborative problem solving, about solving humanity's big challenges. We're not going to do that as individuals. So he was all about, we've got to augment what people can do on their own. And so I like that strand of intelligence augmentation because it, the augmentation word lets you know teachers are still important. Yes. We're just helping them out. And the kids, I let you know, the kids have to do the intellectual work. We're not taking work off their plate. We're making it possible for them to new, do new and better things. So the, the change I see, you know, I was talking about two-minute problems, real work happens in much longer time spans. We're, we're talking about our institutes involved in science education. No scientist ever solved anything in two minutes. So let's talk about more realistic time periods. Let's talk about a, something you're working on for two hours or two weeks, a, a collaborative project that students are undertaking to understand something important to them in the world. AI and really the intelligence augmentation has come along so now we can start to support those longer term, more social, more contextual, more in-depth kinds of learning experiences. And so that's what this is all about. How do we start to take what's possible now in the technology and move away from these very short, very bound experiences to something that's much more aligned with our vision of what kids need to be learning? Yeah, and you mentioned the phase and uh, in my, due diligence and hearing about the, the, the prospects for the program, there seem to be three different elements um, that you're going to focus on. Can you break the, those down a little bit? Yeah, sure. Be happy to, to do that. Um, so one element is in the past, when AI has interacted with students, mostly it's been they've solved problems and it's looked at their scores on solving the problems. Now let's think about how a classroom teacher plans instruction. Sure, they might look at the test score, but they're taking in so much more information about what students are doing. They're taking in the hum or the buzz in the classroom. They're taking in the drawings and sketches that kids are more informally doing. They're looking at how they're grouped in, around the classroom. So the multimodal analytics theme is about getting away from one narrow stream of data. So let's bring in multiple streams. Let's bring in some audio. Maybe we have some cameras capturing kids' drawings as they sketch their scientific experiment and able to make sense of those drawings. And we're talking about naturalistic interaction. In the past, when kids interacted with AI, they mostly had to use the computer's preferred mode of input, typing or a mouse. Let's talk about voice. Let's talk about an AI system that sits in in a collaborative group and maybe creates some social awareness. Hey, someone's not participating. Can we draw them in some more? So I, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at, again, this kind of phase change. This isn't business as usual. Uh, even though AI has been successful in education in the past, we have an opportunity to shift it. So that sounds to me that you'd uh, be looking at a little bit of. Um some of the aspects surrounding assessment as well, right? And uh, when you're collecting that sort of data and you can, it's a more of a holistic way to look at the classroom experience and um, maybe 
not judge, but grade uh, students' progress and performance. Talk a little bit about how you see that transfer. Absolutely. You know, I think when researchers like me do our work, we're always dissatisfied with the last generation of assessments because we always want more for our learners. Um, you know, we want them to be able to do collaborative problem solving because when we look into the world about what makes people successful, it's because you want them on your team as a collaborative problem solver. And it's not just because they can, you know, solve some problem by themselves in the corner quietly. And so we want metrics, you know, assessment may convey to people the SAT or something. So I'll just say metrics or measures. We want measures that measure what we really care about. And those things are gonna be about how you participate socially in, in building knowledge together. How do you add on to a student, another student's contribution? That's important. Sure. But anyway, we're gonna be looking at beyond that in terms of science learning. I'm always really attuned to not just facts, but also concepts and depth of understanding and knowledge of how to do a scientific investigation, how to conduct inquiry. And so we're, we're really looking at, at being able to um, measure in these richer contexts. And I hope that those performances that students are able to, to show, where they show what they can do, result in their teachers, their parents, their future colleges, their future employers, being more aware of students' wealth of skills in a way that when it's just a simple score on a traditional assessment, you know, it only lets you be aware of a narrow slice of that student's skills. Right. Now, um, talk a little bit about the collaboration with the other organizations. Talk a little bit about how you're going to make this sausage say uh okay. is it going to be in person it's going to be hybrid what what is what is the day-to-day -day? um give, give us right of well our leader of this ai institute the principal investigator in nsf language is james lester he's at north carolina state he's been absolutely wonderful throughout the whole process really building the team so we we're launching with a team that's really already come together through the proposal process. And the excitement for me in this is these university partners have a depth of expertise in the technology and the basics, the fundamentals of a vision, of speech. They're on the cutting edge of, oh, of synthesizing or generating stories. They're on the cutting edge of the AI, not just in education, they're on the cutting edge. So James in leading us has been very attentive to, this has to be a lot of coming together across these different universities. You know, it can't be just five places each doing their own thing. And so we at Digital Promise, each year we'll have a Silicon Valley based meeting to bring people together with educators and with, you know, with the product sector and just, you know, there's all this research in Silicon Valley and there'll be other face-to-face -face meetings. And of course, we've all gotten used to Zoom, so there'll be plenty of those, I'm sure, as well. But um, a five-year institute really makes you want to take the time in the beginning to launch and with really people really knowing each other, and really knowing the best of what each person can contribute. And I think some face-to-face -face is the way to do that. Sure. Now, so again, you mentioned the five-year timeline, which is a, <clears throat> you know, it's a good it's a good amount of time. What, where do you see 
your ideas and your experimentation uh, flowing into the industry. We can talk a little bit about the, the path from knowledge to, to application to, to products and services. Right. I mean, as National Science Foundation researchers, we get to explore some frontiers that are beyond the time horizon of what a company can, can reasonably do. So I think we'll be doing some things that you know would seem crazy to a product developer. But as we learn which parts of those really work, I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities to influence, to inform, to share techniques that could be used in a much in a large scale way. So I don't see us literally creating a, the product. It's more that we will create demonstrations and we will show the path. And we'll also be really attentive to the thing you mentioned early on of privacy and security and ethics, because it's part of our mandate is to have that conversation and be serious about it. And it's really important. All this technology is for naught if schools and parents and students won't trust it. So I, I think that's also part of what we'll be helping to influence in terms of policy and in terms of industry is how do you create that trust? Let me ask how, and I'm really sick of talking about it, but it's still with us and it's still within the context of everything that we need to talk about. How has the pandemic affected your work and affected the work um, that you see going forward with in the in, in the institute. I mean, have there been innovations uh, that have kind of come out of the madness? Talk a little bit about how it, just the study of AI has shifted as a result of this great beta test that we all just went through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, Kevin, I, you know, I'm really aware that this thing we went through was really not great for a lot of students and a lot of parents. And so anything I say, it's exciting, you know, take it with a grain of salt because the net has been very difficult for people Absolutely. and we've got to do better next time. And, and as Digital Promise, that's our job. You know, we're, we're in contact with so many school districts. So from the day one of the pandemic, we're hearing all the stories and hearing all the pain. And it's substantial. We have to do better the next time around. Next time, nonetheless, nonetheless. Um, there were some bright points of light there. And I'll, I'll just tell one story that's in the AI space. Um, there's a company I've done a, a little, I, I just like them. So I just keep in touch with them called TeachFX. And what TeachFX does is build really simple tools for teachers to become aware of who's talking in the classroom discourse. And they started with just like, is the teacher talking too much? Or are they letting their students talk? And the technology was just an iPhone originally, and it could record and it would give the teacher a meter who's talking. And we saw the teacher shifted, that they let students talk more once they had a meter showing how much they were dominating the discourse. And from the learning sciences perspective, it's fantastic. When we get students talking about the content, they learn. So we've got to get kids talking, we've got to get them active. Then during the pandemic, they had students and teachers interacting on Zoom. And so they're able to see which person is talking. And you know it's their story, so you could dig into it, but they were able to go into some school districts that serve very diverse populations, low-income populations, black populations, really work where they can work the equity issues and track, are black students getting a chance to talk 
or is the talk in these classroom dialogues being dominated by somebody else? And so that to me was really exciting work because they were able to use the technology, not necessarily to solve the problem, but to really make it clear what was going on and leave it, you know, they work with the teachers in professional development and so forth to work on the issues. So that, that to me is something exciting that we could really get to understand equity in a new way yeah. that really gets to the depth of it. Talk a little bit about um, the perception of AI and maybe even more generally just the perception of technology in classrooms and, and schools <clears throat> as a result of the past 18 months. Uh, we were speaking a little bit earlier before where sometimes AI w- would be not, uh, it would be a boogeyman to, uh, to a lot of faculty uh, and they'd be worried about technology replacing. Uh, obviously that myth has been busted, uh, but talk maybe, I mean, is do you see more of an acceptance of these sorts of tools in the everyday um, world of teaching and learning? You know, I, I, I think it's coming along in a number of ways. I think when you say AI, it can, can you know, confer the how image from 2001 space odyssey, the computer's gonna take over, we're doomed. And that's why I like, as I said, the intelligence augmentation. Mm. Yeah, on the other hand, you know, I think some amount of what we're talking about really is just gonna be the way computers are, the way technology is. Some of what we're talking about isn't about an agent. It's about being able to write or draw and have that be your input to your teacher and have the teacher be able to have some of that categorized for them. Here's some work that your students did that's really brilliant. Maybe you ought to pay some attention to. Here's some students that might need some help. So when I think it's really about interacting more naturally with technology, I don't think that's that's, that, that, that's not that scary. We've all gotten used to, there's a microphone button on all our apps and we talk to it. And so I think some of it will be just the way technology is. And then some of it will be, we have to get better at how we treat people's data. And you know that's work we have to do. Right. And there's been blow-ups in the industry before where data was not handled appropriately or just it was scary what it sounded like, even if it was being handled appropriately. And so we need to make progress on that. I think the only route forward to trust, this is the digital promise strategy, is building partnerships with school districts and work it out together. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be like somebody comes up with like, here's the trust document, sign it, and now, you're, now you trust us. I, I don't see that. It's going to come because we build the technologies together and people understand how they work and what's in them. That's great. Now, I know that the toughest part of this conversation would be to end it. There are so many different aspects that, that we can explore here and, and so much work that you have um, in front of you uh, and exciting work. But if we could wrap up by, uh, if I could ask you, you have a five-year plan. Yeah, you had the team together. Give me a little bit of your hopes. I mean, what 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 are your best case scenarios for this program? Five years when um, the pandemic is in the distant past, we've been able to con- continue to accelerate. Um, I have my rose-colored glasses on. Go. <laughs> yeah, mine too. You know, the the theme of this AI Institute is narrative-based or story-based learning. And that's one of these phase shifts. 
we see, Kevin, is that we learning through story is incredibly powerful. It has been for our entire heritage as humanity, we learn through stories. So what I see is a pioneering a new kind of experience that hopefully will take off in the industry where students feel that they are part of a story of a scientist, for example, investigating life on Mars. And they're going to be going on that scientific expedition. They're going to be building the equipment they're going to take with them. And they're going to go on that simulated trip to Mars. And it won't just be Mars because other players in the industry are going to be creating other story-based learning situations where you feel part of history or you feel part of a novel. And so I think we're going to be able to pioneer and point the way to a kind of learning experience. We know it's powerful. We know story-based learning is powerful. It's part of our DNA of who we all are as people, but it hasn't been part of what we could do with technology because we're constrained to be two-minute problems, not very naturalistic, not very social. Well, now we can overcome. AI has come along. We can overcome those limitations. And that's what I see. I see this. I see story-based learning be becoming something we can really do. Well, that's fantastic. And it, um, it's very exciting uh, to read about. And um, actually, in, in these times, it's a, a positive uh, focus of going forward. I appreciate the work that you and the team do, and I'll be following it closely. And I uh, hope to have you back on an episode uh, as you continue your progress. So thank you for your work and for your time and insights. Kevin, great to have the time to speak with you. And everybody, thanks for watching this latest episode of EdTech Today. I hope you click around, click around and find another one soon.